your Bibles again and turn to Psalm 119. As many of you know, um, Psalm 119 is in the longest book in the Bible, the book of Psalms. It is the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses, and it is a psalm regarding the Word of God, only five verses out of 176 do not refer to the Word of God. So 171 verses out of 176 are referenced to the Word of God. This really shows us the priority that God places on the Word of God. And you wouldn't think that we would need to present a case promoting the Bible, especially in a Baptist church, that our number one doctrine is the Bible is our only rule for authority and practice. So if the Bible is our only rule for authority and practice you would think that we truly value and and do, but it is important for us to present a case promoting the Bible and um, holding it forth. In this Psalm 119, God presents a case for the Bible. Needless to say, we're not going to look at all the verses today. But general themes of this psalm. And the general theme is the Word of God. There are basically ten different words that are used in references to the Word of God in Psalm 19. One is the word way. Verse 1, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of God. So in verse 1, we find two words there. The way, referring a reference to the word of God. Also the law, in, in reference to the word of God. The way as a course of life, as a manner of walk. The law as a, a direction that is given by an authority to inform, to instruct. In verse 2, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with the whole heart. The word testimonies, another reference to the word of God. It testifies as a witness, as a recorder of the truth of God. Then we notice in verse 4, Thou hast commanded us, to keep thy precepts diligently. So precepts. Precepts are a mandate of God. So as you read through the Bible, in particular Psalm 119, and you read about the precepts, they are references to the Word of God. Verse 5. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. The engraved the bound and unchangeable statutes of God that 
These are given. They are not changeable. Again, reference to the Word of God. Verse 6, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. The commandments to set in order, the word means, and a call for a response. He gives the command, and that command then calls for a response on our behalf. So another word that he used in reference to the word of God. Notice verse 7, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. Judgments, a verdict, a determination that is brought down by the judge. God's word is the judgment. And verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. So the, the understanding of the word, God's word, needless to say, in reference to his word, the the firmness and, and security of his word. And um, then if you'd look in verse 30, also a reference to the um, truth. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before thee. So truth, God's word, another reference to his word. And then lastly, verse 40 we find a reference, Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. The righteousness of God is manifested in the Word of God. So, just to help you, as you read through the Bible, all of those, those ten words are all references to the Word of God. The Word of God, someone has said, Based on John 1, the Word of God, if it were made into a person, would be made into Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ were made into a book, it would be the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. His name is the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, he gives all these different synonyms of the Word of God, and throughout 171 verses in this chapter, he makes reference to the Word of God. And through it, he over and over again uses various words to explain his delight in the Word of God. Notice if you'd look in verse 14. And we'll look at a a number of these. Verse 14. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. Now think about that. He says, I rejoice in your word as much as getting a good deal, as much as making a lot of money, as much as all riches. Can you truly say that is your delight in the Word of God? Notice verse 16. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Verse 24. Thy testimonies also are my delight. Verse 35. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Verse 47. Verse 47. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. 
My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. I delight in them. I love them. Notice verse 70. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is better to me in than gold, he says in another verse. Verse 77. Let thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Are you getting the point? We're, we're not even halfway done with listing all the times he used delight, love, and rejoice. Now, honestly, can you say today, man, I, I love God's Word. And it's manifested by the way I go to it and the way I read it and the way I think on it. The psalmist is saying here, there is nothing I delight in more. It is wonderful to me. He uses another term. I, I love it more than I love sleep, he says in Psalm 148. I stand in awe of it. I rejoice in it. I delight. And he, he closes the, the psalm near the end. I have long, verse 174, I have long for thy salvation, O Lord, and thy law is my delight. The psalmist truly delighted in the Word of God. He had a genuine love for God's Word. As we mentioned, over 24 times just in this psalm, he uses terms like that. The reality is, we need a revival of the love for God's Word in our hearts today. We can say what needs done in the world, but I would be willing to say that the overwhelming majority, and my heart was convicted as I read and studied in this, that, that we really don't love God's Word. We can, we can give it the, the, oh, I love the Bible. Oh, okay. Um, let's compare how much time you spend in the Bible with how much time you spend on the Internet. Let's compare how much time you spend in the Bible compared to all the other use of your free time. We woefully come up ignorant and lacking, and you say, well, it's, it's just not real. Okay, let me think. ask you this. How much time do you spend meditating on the Word of God, thinking about the Word of God? We think about how we can make money. We think about how we can fix things. We think about our to-do list. We think about all these other things. But when do we think about the Word of God? And the psalmist said, my delight is in the Word of God. There will never be a revival in our land until there is a revival of the Word of God among Christians. I believe that with all my heart. And honestly, when, when I, a few weeks ago, I planned out that we're going to wrap up, the, sought God's mind about wrapping up the, the study in the Psalms before family camp. On this Sunday, I, I had Psalm 119 and Psalm 121. Which one do you want, Lord? And God just directed, and I see why in my own heart and life why. 
convicting me that there will never there will never be a revival in our land until we see a revival of the word of god in the hearts and lives of believers until we come where we can honestly say my delight is in the law of the lord and in his law i will meditate day and night so we ask so why should i delight in the word of god number 1 in order to know god Martin Luther said, God is everywhere. However, he does not want you to reach out for him everywhere, but only in the word. Reach out for it and you will grasp him aright. Otherwise, you are tempting God and setting up idolatry. That is why he he has established his word for us. This teaches us how and where we are to look for him And find him in the word of God. You want to know God? It must be through the word of God. And and that is one reason why we should delight in the word of God. That the chief aim of our life is to know God. And when you know God, you will glorify God. It is imperative that we understand this. That I should delight in the word of God. In order to know God. Secondly, and and we could spend series on every one of these, but secondly, look at verse 89 of Psalm 119. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. We should delight in God's word because it is eternal. The Bible is eternal. The Bible has been banned and burned and beloved more widely read and more frequently attacked than any other book in history. Generations of intellectuals have attempted to discredit it. Dictators have outlawed it and executed those who read it. Dictators have vowed that they would see the day that no one under their rule would have a Bible or have access to it. Yet soldiers have carried it into battle, believing it more powerful than their own weapons. Fragments of it have been smuggled into solitary prison cells and have transformed ruthless killers into godly saints. There is power in the Word, and it is eternal. As I mentioned, there there have been more attacks against the Bible than any other book in all of history. In 1915, a Russian-Arminian was reading his Bible when he was beheaded. His large, thick Bible was well used, and inside was the reddish stain that permeated most of this book, and it was the blood of this man who was beheaded. He was one of more than a million casualties of a a religious and ethnic holocaust in his land. About 70 years later, 
a large shipment of Bibles entered Romania from the west. Ceausescu, the dictator of Romania at the time, was opposed vehemently to the Bible, so his lieutenants confiscated this shipment of Bibles, shredded them, turned them into pulp. Then they had the pulp reconstituted into toilet paper and sent it back to the West. Today, the Bible is flourishing in Romania. The Word of God is eternal. It doesn't matter if a little pup dictator thinks he can rule and disregard the Bible and mockingly turn the Word of God into toilet paper. God's Word is eternal and it will last The Bible tells us, after the heavens and the earth disappear. You want to build your life around something that will last? Build your life on the Word of God. Delight in the Word of God. It is eternal. Thirdly, why should I delight in the Word of God? It cures and prevents sin. There is only one cure for sin. And it's through the Word of God that we learn what sin is, and we learn what the only cure is, and the only cure is Jesus Christ. And it is only in the Word of God that we learn that. But it not only cures and forgives our sin, the Word of God prevents sin. Notice verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It has been said, I don't know who originated it, sin will keep you from the Bible or the Bible will keep you from sin. And it is important for us to realize this. Years ago, a Roman Catholic priest in Belgium rebuked a young woman and her brother for reading that bad book pointing to the Bible. The young woman said, Mr. Priest, a little while ago, my brother was an idler, a gambler, a drunkard, and made such a ruckus in our home that no one could stay there. But since he began to read the Bible, he works. He no longer goes to the tavern. He brings money to his poor old mother. And our life at home is quiet and delightful. How come, Mr. Priest, that a bad book produces such good fruit? The Word of God alone can change a heart. Nothing else can change the heart. And it is through the Word of God, as the psalmist said, a young man cleanses his way by taking heed according to his Word. As I take heed and listen to the Word of God, it will not only cure sin, the penalty of sin, the punishment of sin, 
but it will help prevent sin in my life as I allow the Word of God to rule in my life. Why should we delight in the Word of God? Number four, it gives direction and wisdom. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my paths. It gives direction and wisdom. If we would go more to the Word of God than we do to mankind and man's philosophy, we would avoid many, many heartaches and and much turmoil in our life. Needing direction and wisdom, where do we turn? Do we saturate in the Word of God? It gives direction and wisdom. Number five, it gives comfort and strength. Notice if you'd look in verse 28. My soul melted for heaviness. You've been there, right? Your soul has been weighed down and it's like your very own heart is melting out of heaviness. Where did the psalmist go? Strengthen thou me according to thy word. He went to the word of God. Notice verse 50. Verse 50. This is my comfort in my affliction. For thy word hath quickened me. In my affliction, what comforted me? Pouring out my heart to my friends, going on social media. No, the Word of God. And why is it it's the last thing we go to in our affliction? Because Satan knows it's the one thing that will minister comfort and strength. Notice verse 52. I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself with these. Life is hard. There are many, many difficult things in life. But God has given us everything we need for strength and comfort right here. And if we would go to the Word of God, I've, I've seen in the, the four decades of ministry, I've seen people over and over and over again that come to God. Most people want relief from their problems But those that bring their affliction and saturate in the Word of God, I have seen that God minister grace in an amazing ways. Through the most most severe situations in life. And it's here. It's available to every one of us. But we're prone to go the other way. And there's a reason the longest chapter in the Bible is the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. Delight in it, delight in it, delight in it, because God wants us to know that it is the only way we will thrive and survive in this world. It gives comfort and strength. Um, There's many other verses in Psalm 119 that deal with that. Number six. It produces genuine praise. As you go to the Word of God and God ministers in your heart through His Word, there is no way of describing the genuine praise that comes through the Spirit of God illuminating the Word of God into your heart. And the genuine praise, it's not whipped up in some frenzy. It's a genuine praise 
of humility and bowing before God in a genuine praise. It at times is a shout out to God. At times it is bowing before him in brokenness and praise. But the reality that this was God speaking to me. It's a living book. I fear that that many followers of Christ don't even relate to that. And our praise is, is fragile and emotional. It has to be built up and built up. And no, this is, you want, you want to become a praising person? Saturate in the Word of God. And your heart will learn to praise. It produces genuine praise. It brings true success. The one verse that stands out, Psalm has, 119 has many, but Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. If you meditate in this book of the law, that God will minister in your life and he will produce true success. And let me mention again one other why we should delight in it. It is eternal. No, I'm not losing my mind by saying this. I might be losing my mind in other areas. I know I said it number two. But number eight is it is eternal. And someday you and I are going to meet up with the Word of God. And our life is going to be judged by the Word of God. It's not going to be judged by this church or this pastor or Christianity or anyone else. It will be judged by the Word of God. And it will determine, well done, thou good and faithful. What is well done, thou good and faithful? You allowed the Word of God to saturate your life and change your life. I cannot ignore the Word of God and someday expect to hear, well done, thou good and faithful. It, it cannot happen. It is eternal, and I will someday answer to it. Everything in your life and my life rises and falls on our relationship to the Word of God. Psalm 119 and verse 6. You will not be ashamed when you have respect unto the law of God. George Washington said, It is impossible to righteously govern the world without God and the Bible. Ronald Reagan said, Within the covers of one single book, the Bible, are all the answers to all the problems that face us if only we would read and believe. Amy Carmichael said, never let good books take the place of the Bible. Drink from the well, not from the streams that flow from the well. How important it is for us to understand that. And Spurgeon said, I would recommend you either believe God up to the hilt or else not to believe at all. 
Believe this book of God, every letter of it, or else reject it. There is no logical standing place between the two. Be satisfied with nothing less than a faith that swims in the deeps of divine revelation. A faith that paddles about the edge of the water is a poor faith at best. It is a little better than a dry land faith. It is not good for much. And A.W. Tozer said, Whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, however harmless it may appear to me. You think of that. Whatever keeps me from my Bible is my enemy, regardless of how harmless it may be. Well, I'm spending time with my family. Family is a good thing. But family is no substitute for the Word of God. However harmless, whatever keeps you from the Bible. And the psalmist had a great, great delight in the Word of God. As I studied this a number of years ago, I was challenged, and we passed the challenge on to you. I was challenged in, in reading through the Bible in addition to reading through the Bible, read a proverb a day because it will give us great wisdom. Whatever the day of the month, today is the 20th, read Proverbs 20. And what a great blessing that has been in my life. As I went through Psalm 119 and and I read, there are 22 different groupings in the Psalms. The Hebrew alphabet, it goes through every letter of the Hebrew alphabet and it gives these groupings, these stanzas. And I thought, you know what, there's 22 of those. It would do me well to read one of those every day to remind me how important the Word of God is in my life. And by God's grace, I'm going to start doing that. I need to be reminded over and over again because I am prone to wander. I'm prone to be distracted. And the only thing that will prepare me for this life, let alone for eternity, is getting in the Word of God. And I need to be reminded. And so, by God's grace, I'm going to read at least one of those sections in addition to the proverb and other reading. Read one of those sections every day to remind me, God, help me to have a delight in your word, as the psalmist did. And and when we get back to where we delight in the word of God, as much as we delight in the other things that come into our life, we will see God work. But until we do that, honestly, I don't care how hard you pray. If you neglect the Word of God, our prayers aren't going to be answered. And our prayers will not be according to knowledge in neglecting how hard we pray. I'm not minimizing prayer. I'm elevating the Word of God that everything must grow out of this. Everything must come from this. John Bunyan said, I was never... Out of my Bible. John Wesley said, I am a man of one book, the Bible. Oh, for a revival of the Word of God in the hearts and lives of we as believers. Heavenly Father, it is easy for us to say that we believe the Bible, 
But God, I pray that our lives, our heart, our attitude would reflect the importance of your word in our life. Lord, I pray that there would come in my life and in this church body a revival of a love for your word. And Lord, I know when that happens that your power will be seen. Lord, forgive us where we've expected you to do things and we've neglected the very power that you've given to accomplish those things. Lord, we pray for victory over sin, to walk in purity and Yet we neglect your word, which you promise will keep us from it. So, Lord, I pray, regardless of where we are in life now, I pray for every one of us as believers that we would have a renewed commitment and love for your word. Lord, I pray for individuals here today that have have never received, have never responded to your conviction in their life of sin and do not have the cure of sin, Jesus Christ. I pray today that they would call upon you for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, thank you that in your word you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. And Lord, thank you that it is eternal. And I pray that there would be changes in our attitudes, in our schedules, in our thought processes as we commit to loving you by loving your word. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, 